0: An archaeologist on a dig in Egypt unearthed an ancient oil lamp. And he took it to his team and he began to rub off the sand on it, and out popped a genie. The genie said, I know that you're expecting three wishes, but you have five seconds to answer the following questions Do you want wealth or wisdom? wisdom. And then suddenly his team looked at him and it was just kind of this euphoric look on his face. He said, he even looks wiser. He said, say something, say something. And he said, I should've gone with the money. That's <laughs> <laughs> wisdom for you. Wisdom is hard to come by. Wisdom is more precious silver, more costly than diamonds, but it is obtainable. In the Proverbs it says, with many counsel, with many counselors' plans succeed. And so consider, who is in your counsel of many? Who are the counselors around you? How have you cultivated around you? A group of people that that where lines are already open and when you need to make a decision or you're going into a, a certain kind of threshold moment where there's a change, you have a council of many. You can find a, a counselors all, all over the place. Family, for example. You can find you can find people for your council of many in your family. I I still regret my, my grandmothers lived into their 90s and they lived with my parents and uh, and my grandmother Philston would uh, whenever I'd bring somebody home she'd go through the same set of stories over and over. And at one point I could tell you those stories. I mean I could I could verbatim go through all of those stories. And I remember thinking you know there's gonna be a day when she's not gonna be here. I'm not gonna be able to remember these stories. I need to record this. I need to. Tape recorder or The next tape recorder. See, that was the time. <laughs> but so, I, I never did that. I, I I really regret not having recorded those in some fashion. There is wisdom in your family, in friends. Your friends, you can find good counselors in your friends. To to begin to ask intentional questions, to have a hat full of questions that really help. Draw people out, and 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 even if you're doing something shoulder to shoulder, like playing golf or whatever it is, to be able to be intentional, drawing upon other people's experience, life experience. I've got five. uh, I've I've told you all this before, but I have five uh, close friends from uh, from college, and we've decided we're going through life together, and we've got a group text, and uh, we're we're going to be getting together in uh, the winter with our, our spouses, and um, and so the, the group text thing has gotten sort of annoying this week, it just got ding, 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 and uh, so I had to figure out how to fix that situation. But but, but it's fun to hear from these guys and to know that when um, when any one of us has something that's going on in life, we can reach out to the other. Uh, and. and and to get their perspective, we're all doing so many different kinds of things. We have different disciplines But wisdom in the Council of Lenny, in, in friendships, and in family, and at work, people that you all around you. Now think of 360 degrees, not just not just people who are who have it all figured out and who are you know in some, some kind of supervisory position. You can learn from, from people. Like wise people learn from anyone. I remember watching an older, wiser gentleman one time who had an electrician come to his house and with
1: incredible respect and honor uh, was asking him questions and learning about his life as he was uh, checking out the air conditioning system or whatever it was that he was working on and, and just realizing uh, as, a, as a teenager watching an older, wiser man treat somebody who you know he had so much education on this guy and yet here was a man who had something to offer something he could learn from anyone anyone around you at work you know, to to be able to have those lines of communication open to be able to 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 look even at the way that, that Paul intentionally begins with the end in mind, that, that he is fashioning a, men, a, a mentor relationship in Timothy. who's probably a teenager. All ready to be thinking, Timothy, be thinking about the people in your life that you will bring along and trust to the faithful people around you who in turn can then entrust. You know, also, you can also find mentors in authors, to say, you know, who is your, fa- well, let me just ask you, think, think of who your favorite authors, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, whether they're alive or deceased. Who's your favorite Old Testament character, New Testament uh, d- d- disciple, one of the disciples? Who do you identify with most? And spend the next month just looking at their life and learning from their life. There's a reason why. That person resonates with you. Learn all about them. Find a book or a commentary that focuses just on that that character, and dwell on that person. You know, there's there's somebody who's been an important mentor to me, uh, who's in ministry, and whenever I get uh, stuck on a problem, I call him, and and the first thing I say, "Okay, Obi Wan, I need you." So then he knows that I'm going to be picking his brain about something that I haven't solved yet. Uh, this is a guy who's been in my life since I was 16 years old. It, so, so I had to cultivate that. You know, he's he's twice my age, but I had to cultivate that. And and don't don't expect. In other words, don't expect somebody who's older than you to just see something in you and 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 develop that kind of relationship. You go for it. You develop your counsel of many and find them all around you. This morning, let's consider what does a candidate for your council of many, what, what makes for a life worth following? Paul lays it out. He must have been a Presbyterian because he's got three points here. He talks about the soldier and the athlete and the farmer. Let's look at a life worth following through those lenses of, of this, this hel- these, these stock images from the Hellenistic culture. When you wanted to, to illustrate something, you know, Paul pulls out these stock images of soldier and athlete and farmer to see a life worth following through those lenses. First, the soldier. Someone in your council of many, if, if you have someone in your council of many, or if you're going to be in someone else's council of many, if you're going to be a wise counselor, you need to adopt. The, the principles of a soldier, a soldier who is always focused on the mission. He says he's not pulled this way and that way to get entangled in civilian affairs. There's a focus, there's an aim of a soldier. A soldier is focused on taking the next hill. It's a great little story about Arnold Palmer from the 1961 uh, Masters Tournament, and he's on 18, and he's one shot in the lead, and he's just hit it into the fairway, a beautiful shot, and he's approaching his ball, and he sees a friend of his uh, across the ropes, and, and the friend of his waves him over, and, and Arnold Palmer goes and, and shakes his hand, and his friend says, congratulations, and he said at that very moment, he recognized he lost his focus. He hit it right into the trap, and then he hit it over the green, and he lost the masters. He said he'd never forget that, never forgot that lesson. he had lost his focus. What does it mean then for a soldier to be involved in civilian affairs? It's, it's to be involved in all those endless affairs of those things that, that help us to accumulate things for ourselves without the aim of the mission. Well, what is the mission? What is the mission? Paul's mission is very clear. It's the mission that was given to him from Jesus. Go out and have an others focused, an others focused. Don't don't just go for it in terms of your own life and success and, and, and getting into the endlessness of measuring success by your own achievements to the exclusion of bringing other people along. George MacDonald captures it in this great little quotation. George MacDonald was one of C.S. Lewis's masters. He calls George MacDonald my master. So C.S. Lewis had mentors, all right? Isn't that great? That's encouraging to me, C.S. Lewis had a mentor. And George MacDonald said this, he said, Whatever you do without God, you're going to fail miserably at that or succeed more miserably. Whatever you do without God, you'll either fail miserably or succeed more miserably. See, too many of us wait to the second half, quote unquote, of life to begin to think about your significance. And what people are finding is that after they pile up all their civilian affairs, after all their successes, they're finding an emptiness in it because they haven't brought others along with them. They haven't kept the aim and the focus of the soldier that says, develop the people around you. Develop those people. Find significance in pouring out what you've been given, your gifts that you've been given, pouring them out for the common good and not just for your own good. You see, when we wait on that, then we become disillusioned. That's what a midlife crisis is. It's either to not achieve what you thought you had miserably or to achieve it more miserably and to miss the aim of your life, and that is to develop other people around you. Those kinds of people, what do you think of them? You know who they are. Those kinds of people that are other-centered, the people that are developing people around them. doesn't mean that they're not successful. It doesn't mean that they are, aren't. It just means that you know the kind of people that bring others along with them I was just uh, at the presbytery that Skylar mentioned, and I saw a couple of guys from Signal Mountain who were D-group leaders for my, for my older boys. They didn't care about me or anything that was going on. They wanted to know about those boys. I loved it. They, they wanted time with me just so they could ask me questions about them. Two guys that have poured themselves out into the lives of my my sons. That's amazing. They're now helping to lead that church. People trust them. People people see in them wise counselors. They see in them an others-centeredness. They see in them the mission of God, not just to build up and even through the church to build up a sense of who they are, a sense of reputation, but a pathway of service. A good soldier. Is a good counselor because he has an aim, a focus to his life, a mission that aims to bring others along as well. The athlete, the athlete succeeds only when he or she operates by the principles or the rules of the game, right? And this isn't about morals, per se. It's not about being, you know, Miss Goody Two Shoes or being the guy who has it all figured out. That's not the point of his illustration. So often we reduce morals to to right and wrong that makes you self-righteous. Don't miss what he's saying here. There's a difference between moralism and principles. Let's explore that for a minute. An athlete does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules, according to the principles. Let me illustrate that this, with a, a story from this past week. Does the, the name Brant Jean ring a bell? Do you know the story of Brant Jean? You know the story that I'm talking about. It's, it's a story of a woman who was a police officer who came home and parked on the wrong level and went in on the wrong level and then went into the wrong apartment thinking it was her apartment and shot a man who lived there, and he died. He was African-American. She was sentenced this past week. Brant Jean was the brother of the man who was shot. And after she was, or after she was sentenced, Brant Jean made a statement for the, from the family. And he said, um, he said, I don't even want you to go to jail. I want what's best for you. That's out of my hands, but I just want you to know I forgive you. Now this makes no sense. He got up from the witness stand and many of you have probably seen this video. If you haven't, you should go 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 look it up. He goes and embraces this woman who shot her brother, his brother. Now whether this was whether this was an accident or whether there was race involved in this, it was immaterial. The thing, the thing that was amazing to this is two human beings that are dealing with something horrible. And here is a man, well, let me put it this way. Somebody that I really uh, have been following, a professor in, in Virginia, her response to this was two words. She said to Brant Jean, she said, lead us. No condescension, no um, sort of making this more complex than it needed to be. Two human beings dealing with a sorrowful situ- situation. And here is Brant Jean leading us. Leading us what? To principles that don't make sense. Not everything in scripture is going to make sense to you in the moment, and God is saying, try it. Even if it doesn't fit Even if the sleeves are too long and just kind of flapping out there, put this principle on. Try it and grow into it. You see, I've said this before, but I want you to, in this moment, I want you to think hard about this. It's not so much that we break God's law, but it is that we break ourselves on God's law. You see, it's principles. I saw it even this past weekend. I was talking to a, a, a man who's sort of for the EPC, a church consultant. And he was talking. He was just wringing his hands. He was so upset about some of these churches who say, you know, what you're talking about, this revitalization and vision team stuff, that's not for our church. That's not going to work in our church. Oh, it's so frustrating because, of course, it is. <laughs> you either are operating by biblical principles or you're not. And even when biblical principles don't make sense, they are good for us. It's not just good and saying I'm doing the good and I'm on the right side of history and look at me and I've got it all figured out. It's not about that. The athlete is the one who competes according to the rules in a way that helps him to flourish. Right? Got him. Drew Dick illustrates this even further. Drew Dick uh, is a is a uh, a writer, a, a journalist, and he was talking about. Uh, changing his habits, he said. You know, there are three components to a habit. There's the cue, uh, there's the habit, and the reward. Okay, think about that. There's the cue. Okay, like you're cued to do something. Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, think of something you know benign, like getting into the uh, the car and having like all of a sudden I get cued to turn on the radio. Right? Turn on the radio. Right? So that's the cue. I got into the car. That's the cue. I want to turn on the radio. That's the habit. And the reward is music. Right? Okay. Well, there are bad habits that you have, and there's a cue that prompts you to do that thing, and then there's the habit, and then there's some kind of reward, and sometimes it's really unhealthy. I remember uh, when I was when I was single, I was in seminary, and I was thinking, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm I, I was I had a longing for the person who I would go through life with. And I had not yet, uh, Beth and I had not run into each other again yet. And I began to think, you know what? I'm going to do the cue for me that to turn on the the radio. I'm going to start praying for my wife every time I get into my future wife. Every time I get in the car, that's going to be my new cue. See, I've I've replaced a habit with something else that's really difficult to do. And that is to be disciplined in a way that is proactive and not just reactive. See, this is what... Paul is calling Timothy to do and to be, to say, look, live your life intentionally by certain principles, know what they are, and even if they don't make sense, try them on. Figure out how to incorporate this discipline into your life so that your ministry and your life and your leadership, your wisdom will grow and deepen the aim of the soldier, the habits, the discipline, of the athlete, and finally this, the, the long obedience of the farmer. Now you've 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 probably heard me use this uh, phrase a, a number of times. It's actually by a guy named Nietzsche. He said that uh, that the, the 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 idea of having uh, obedience that goes in a long direction a long obedience in the same or right direction. Isn't that a great description of a farmer? A long obedience in the same direction? I love that. And we've gotten so far away from... you know, when you go on a mission trip, you, you get closer to the land, you get closer to the survival that it takes of, of just having a fresh glass of water. And we forget how dependent we are on certain things. And how, how it takes to be nourished and to be fed, to, be, to, 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 to have life sustained is to have somebody who has this patient, long, obedience in the same direction. Let's apply that to our lives here, this idea of having this farmer's patience, a long obedience in the same direction, and that being having its own reward to it, having a sense of the fruit that comes from the land, a fruit from your own labor. Uh, I've been listening to uh, a podcast called The Holy Post, and uh, and uh, an author Named Sky Gitani, who was, wrote a book called With, and and our vision team that was together for a couple of years, we we went through this book together, and I, I love this author. But what's interesting to me is that he's a bit younger than I am, and he has been dwelling in sort of pop evangelical culture, popular evangelical culture. Now, as a as a church, we are uh, we are uh, broadly evangelical, and evangelical is a bad word today, isn't it? you know you don't want to be known as an evangelical it's it's got all kinds of weird associations of fundamentalism and 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 craziness on you know, fundamentalism on one side that's very judgmental and craziness on the other side that's sort of unhinged and all of this being lumped together under this word well, evangelical has has been a an historic movement that is a beautiful thing it's a it's 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 a deep commitment to orthodoxy and a deep commitment to changing the world around you through action, word, and deed. That's an evangelical. The Presbyterian church is an illustration of part of that historic movement. Scripture as your authority, outward in your mission, right? Right? Well, what's interesting to me is that as I'm listening to these guys who uh, who have um, some notoriety and who have uh, been circling in these broader evangelical waters, these more po- in the more popular form of the movement, they're discovering and lamenting how shallow it is, and and frustrated that a lot of the movement, of, uh, the modern movement of evangelicalism is really chasing the culture, chasing cultural trends, trying to stay relevant in, in, in sort of a pathetic, desperate way to stay relevant. And I, I started listening to him some months ago, and I, I started to think, you know, he's starting to sound more and more like a Presbyterian. <laughs> you know because and, and that's not just sort of a brand loyalty thing it's to say look where does wisdom come from it comes from in some ways it it, it, it certainly the wisdom in the council of many but where do you get a council of many in some ways you get it from from what's inherited there's so much institutional suspicion if you if you if you destroyed the church today as a Christian saying, you know, the institution is just not, you know, it's kind of crusty. You know what? I'm just kind of sick of this stuff. All these, you know, sort of committees and stuff like that. You know, forget it. Let's just, let's just do away with it. Let's just do the the, the main thing. Let's uh, let's just you look, as soon as you do that, tomorrow morning, you're gonna reinvent the church institution. Do away with it today, reinvent it tomorrow. Wise people are able to take the mentoring of the ages, and able to be wise enough to benefit and steward them for the next generations. I'm very troubled by the trends that I'm seeing in Thomasville as well, where we're just sort of piecemealing the church. I like this little sliver of the church, and so I'm just going to focus on that slice of it. We're just gonna do mission in this direction and we're just gonna pick out this little thing, forgetting that the thing that makes it possible is the trunk of the tree that is the local church. Jesus fashioned his disciples to create what we have inherited. And so the structure that we have inherited as Presbyterians isn't a brand. It's an attempt, however, you know, wherever we are between zero and 100%, to be faithful stewards of the wisdom of the traditions that we 've inherited of people who've thought about these things for generations, and i 'm saying to sky i 'm saying Sky, welcome to the Presbyterian church you're asking tough questions, and I realize that what you 've been chasing are fireworks, and what you need to start doing is fanning embers into flame see that's the that's another image of what Paul is trying to get at he's saying he's saying Timothy have a long obedience in the same direction. Don't validate things just because there's something supernatural to it. Don't validate things just because it's big and world-changing and a trend that wraps around the globe. Can you be faithful in the smallest moment of your life and get up the next day and do it again? That's a farmer. You see, if we're going to build something and continue to steward this church, what we've inherited from people who have faithfully put one foot in front of the other, some of them, one of them who is 101 years old today, enrolled are you inspired by that? I am. Or do we have to have fireworks to validate our work? Do we have to have something Big and neon, in order for us to feel like we're doing something significant. Uh, you know, I'm not a company man, I'm not brand loyal, just to, I'm using this idea of the structure of the church to tell you something that Paul is saying about the farmer. He's saying, Look, be faithful in those small things because the the, the one who can begin to find the Lord and, and to find his presence and to steward his gifts in those small places are not just going to be uh, then validated later with something big, but are doing something big already. They're, they're living life as a long obedience in the same direction. William Carey, who opened up the, 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 uh, the, the India to the West and to Christianity, somebody asked him, what was the secret of your success? Eight years he was he, he was a master of all kinds of languages. He learned Sanskrit. He taught himself Sanskrit. Have you ever seen Sanskrit? Little teeny jots and t- it's all jots and tittles. Sanskrit. He learned Sanskrit just so that he could he could translate uh, the Bible into Hindi in a, a, lot, a, a lot more uh, faithful way. Eight years without a convert, somebody asked him at the end of his life, what made your life effective? He said this. He said, I can plod. I can plod. You don't know what's going on in, in certain moments. You don't know if, they're, if those, those embers that you're fanning in that moment, you don't know how significant it is in the life of somebody else. Think of this story as an illustration for that. It's a story of Charles Adams, who's the grandson of John Quincy Adams. And Charles had a son named Henry, and Charles taught Henry to keep a journal. And when when Henry was older, he read back through his journal, and he remembered this day with his dad. That was one of the best days of his life. And And it said, went fishing with my dad. He said, best day ever. He thought, I wonder what my dad, you know, my dad was, He he taught me to keep this journal. I wonder what his journal said. So he goes and he finds his father's journal and opens up that journal. And he looks at that day. It's documented. It's an amazing story. And Henry Adams looks at Charles Adams' journal entry for that day, and it says, went fishing with my son, caught nothing, whole day wasted. Don't think that because you're not measuring the significance of it that if your life is aimed like a soldier in the direction of other people significantly if you're operating by principles and if you're even if you're plodding along you're in somebody's counsel of many let's pray again gracious god our heavenly father how we thank you for the ways that you walked so faithfully, never never going much farther from your house, Jesus, than 100 miles or so. Spending so much time with fishermen and gruff old guys, people who didn't even understand you in the moment, and yet... Look how you change the world. God, would you encourage us this day and fan embers into flame. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.